in the world in which we live that can shake the very foundation of the confidence that we have. Just think of all the things that affect all the people in this world as far as confidence is concerned. It might be something financial, it might be something of a family nature, it might be your health, and we've got people here that are struggling to recover and have been on beds of affliction for quite some time, and I'm sure as they have dealt with the problems that are associated with the illnesses and the diseases and the recovery of those, they've also had to deal with the idea of the confidence that they had in their personal selves. All of us need to have confidence in what we have become as Christians. We're going to talk a little bit this morning about building our confidence, becoming more confident because of our decisions that we have made in Christ, because we have made the right decisions, because we've chose to go in the right direction as far as the teachings of the New Testament are concerned, we should be confident, we need to be confident, and we need to build the confidence in our brothers and sisters to help them along the road as well. So this is going to deal specifically with confidence this morning, and we're going to look at a book, or in the verse of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, where the Hebrew writer says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. There is confidence, the Hebrew writer says, and it's very important. It is worth a great value. It is of a great sum to have this confidence. Don't cast it aside. Don't act as if it's insignificant because the confidence that you have in the decisions that you have made to walk the path of Christianity, to get through this life on the road that God illuminated through His Scriptures is a very important path, a very important decision, and it's something that you need to do from now to the end of your days. You need to have confidence in the decision that you made. Interestingly, just before he gives us what we often refer to in Hebrews chapter 11 as Face Hall of Fame, he brings up the idea of confidence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to be confident. I want you to be confident in your chosen vocation, which is Christianity. I want you to, to have confidence in the direction that you're going to go as Christians. And I'm going to give you a whole list, the writer says, of people that God classified as faithful in order to build your confidence in the walk that you're on. So this is one of those things that we can see where the Hebrew writer wants us to have confidence, build confidence, and then gives examples of confidence that we can draw from as we live the life that we're going to live here on this earth. Now, God desires His children to enjoy peace of mind. Oftentimes, people don't have peace of mind as they live their lives as Christians. We know a lot of people outside the church don't have peace of mind, but we as members of the body of Christ, we have people that have uh, consciously made the decision to follow what the scriptures say so that we can get through this life the best that we can and on to the heaven that God has prepared for us. Sometimes we are robbed 
of our peace of mind as well. And there are reasons why this happens to many of us that we will deal with from time to time this morning. Now, I want to go back to the passage of Scripture that Brother Mike read in our hearing from Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 6 and then at verse 7. This will be from the King James Version of the Bible. It records, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Then Paul says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. These two verses of Scripture, this passage of Scripture, is one of the most reassuring, one of the most comforting passages of Scripture anywhere in the Bible. Oftentimes we read these passages of Scripture because we need some comfort. We need some settling down in our mind. We need something to help us through a rough period or a confusing period or a period in our life that might not make a lot of sense to us. We turn to Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, and we draw from that a comfort that God wants us to have. Now, I want to stop and focus just on the first four words of this passage of Scripture, just for a second. In the King James, it says, be careful for nothing. Some of you use the New King James Version, and that says, be anxious for nothing. Brother Mike read, in nothing be anxious. And we also have in the New American Standard, be anxious for nothing. It is obvious that inspiration is trying to get across to people just like us that are going to have our confidence shaken from time to time because of what goes on in this world, because of all the the negative things that can crush us, destroy us, or rob us of our confidence. Scriptures is trying to tell us that you should be anxious, you should have your cares burdened with nothing of this world, whatever is troubling you, whatever is affecting you, whatever is destroying your confidence or has a chance of causing it to crumble in your very eyes is not worth you giving that confidence up. Be anxious for nothing. Don't allow it to rob you of your confidence. He wants us all to feel confident that we possess salvation. Now, in order for you to possess salvation, you have to become a child of God. You have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You have to be willing to make that confession, and you have to be willing to turn your life around in order to live for God and not for yourself or not for the world. You have to be willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins. But if you're willing to do those things, even this morning, You can be added to the church that Jesus Christ died for. You can take possession of the confidence of having salvation awaiting for you. And as long as you live the life that you know God wants you to live, you will be able to say, I am confident no matter what happens to me in this life. I am confident that God has a place prepared for me in the next life. And that's the kind of confidence that I want to build in you this morning. If you are not a member of the body of Christ, I want you to know, before we get any further into this worship service, that we are here to help you 
get your life right with God according to the Scriptures. We want you to leave here a child of God. We want you to leave here part of the body of Christ, the body that he died for, the church that he paid for with his own blood. We want you to be part of that, and we want to help you become part of that. So consider these things as we talk about them this morning. And at the end of this lesson, we're going to have what we commonly refer to as an invitation song. And that will be your invitation to step out in one of these aisles and make your way to the front and allow us to help you to have the confidence not only in this life, but the confidence of looking forward to the next life with a place in that mansion that God has prepared for you. He wants you to be there. We want you to be there. So give yourself a chance and start building confidence for that this very morning. He wants all of us to understand that our Creator accepts us, that the devil holds nothing over us, and that he can use nothing against us. If you're willing to give your life to God through Jesus Christ our Savior, God is going to hold a place for you. The devil can't use anything against you because you have repented. You've put that life behind you. He cannot hold you under his thumb. He cannot blackmail you or coerce you or do anything to keep you out of that eternal abode that God has prepared. Now, granted, you can give your life back to the devil. That's up to you. But the devil has no power over you to force you to do anything, to blackmail you or coerce you to do anything. You can have the confidence in being a Christian to know that if you continue on the path that you start, God has a place prepared for you in the next life. I want your confidence level to soar, brethren. It might be fair or building right now, but I want it to get steady and strong, and then I want it to become invincible through the knowledge of what God's Word has for you as a child of God. I want it to go all the way through the top. I want you to leave here this morning with a kind of confidence that you're willing and ready to face anything this life gives you, because you have a home that cannot be taken from you in the next life. Yeah, we're going to have troubles in this one. There's no doubt about that. But in the next life, you have something that cannot be taken from you, and that should give you confidence to face anything that this world might throw at you. Now, the reason that some Christians have so little confidence is because some Christians dabble in sin. They don't get away from sin. They don't avoid sin. They see how close they can get to sin. They dabble in sin. They enjoy a little bit of sin, and that robs them of the confidence that God wants all of us to have. You may have said this. Lord, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. If you haven't said it, you've heard somebody say it, right? Lord, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. Brethren, that is premeditated sin. That is willful sin. That means that you know you're not supposed to do what you're about to do, but you've already made up your mind that you're going to do that sin, whatever it might be, 
and you feel a little bit guilty about the direction you've taken, so even before you start, you say, Lord, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. If we're going to do willful sin, if we're going to do premeditated sin, we should be robbed of the confidence that we have in Christ because these are exactly the kind of things that we need to avoid in our life. If we know they are sin, we need to turn and go the other way to get away from these sins, not to get close to them or to dabble in them. This is how Christians get robbed of the confidence that God wants us to have in this life we should never say, Lord, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. We should say, Lord, give me the strength not to get caught up in the sins that are tempting me. Let me go the other way. Let me get away from this sin. I want to go through this life with a kind of confidence that will show me the light illuminating the mansion that God has prepared for me. Not dabbling in sin. The reality is that many Christians do not enjoy perfect peace in this life. In the quiet hours, some cannot accept that they know what the Scriptures teach about peace because they can't find the peace in their own minds because they dabble in sin. Because they say, Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do. Let's not dabble in sin, brethren. There is a disconnect between what they understand and what they feel in their heart, and we need to motivate ourselves to be confident Christians, sharing the gospel and living the gospel, so that God can be proud of us in this life and on into the world to come. So how can Christians who feel like that learn to enjoy the confidence that God makes available to us? How can we learn to be the kind of people that will have that confidence? How can we have our confidence thermometer bust out the top with infinite confidence, not only to deal with the problems of this world, but to await the, the glory of the world to come? Well, being confident is the key to all the problems that we're going to have to face, because when we face those problems with confidence, it's going to make us easier to deal with them and to deal with the people that is associated with them. So we're going to take a little trip to confidence this morning. Let's go for a ride, get on down the road and find that community known as confidence and spend a little time there together. Confidence requires daily effort. If you're going to be the kind of confident person that you know you want to be, that you know God needs for you to be, that you know your family needs for you to be and your friends need for you to be, and the kind of confident person that's going to share the gospel with people and make an influence on their lives in a very positive way, you're going to have to understand that it's something that you have to do every single day. You have to be confident and you have to build confidence every single day. It is going to take daily effort on your part to be the confident person that God wants you to be. You can't choose Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays to be confident and inconfident the other four or any other combination of days of the week that you might choose. It has to be a daily effort set forth in order to do these things. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, there's some things that are very interesting 
about this passage of Scripture and the confidence that we need to move forward. I want you to notice what John the Apostle had to say. He said, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. The next verse says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, I want you to notice one thing that occurs two times in these two verses. These verses both start with a conditional word, if. If. If you do these things, if you say, if you walk. Now, as we continue on in 1 John chapter 1, the next three verses start in exactly the same fashion. Notice what John says in 8, 9, and 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If, if, if. It's conditional. We have a God who had his son, our Savior, die for us to pay the price for us to be the... Uh, the propitiation, the price that was paid to get out us out from under the debt, he has done everything that he needs to do in order to make sure to give us the confidence that we can be children of God now and go on to heaven with him when this life is over if we will do what he requires of us. If we will set forth a daily effort to be the kind of people he wants us to be. So these five verses in 1 John chapter 1, verses 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are very powerful, very impactful verses, but every one of them is a conditional verse. We have things that we have to do in order to enjoy the things that God has prepared for us when this life is over. As we look closely at these verses, we can see three things that we must, we must avoid in order to have the assurance that God wants us to have. Three things. Number one, we must avoid walking in darkness, according to verse 6. That's something that all of us have to make a daily decision on doing. We must avoid walking in darkness. Now, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 57, verses 20 and 21, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Most of you have been to the ocean when there's a storm out at sea, and you remember how, I'm going to use the word ugly, you remember how ugly the waves were. When you go to the beach, usually it's a beautiful thing. The, the white crested blue waves are breaking, and you just can't wait to get yourself into the water. It's refreshing, it's enjoying, it's picturesque, it's a beautiful place to be. But when there's a storm out at sea, those waves are anything but beautiful. They are, they are disorganized, they are gray, they are full of dirt, they're full of mud and sand and, and all kinds of things. They are not inviting at all. Isaiah said that when our mind is not right, when we are not the kind of people that have confidence anymore in the direction that we're going, 
we, our minds are the same representation of that muddied sea when there's a storm out there. I think it's pretty easy for us to get the analogy. It's not beautiful. It's not picturesque. It's not something we would snap pictures of and send to our friends back in the Midwest. It is something that we, we don't want to be involved in, and we're going to get dirty if we get in. And he goes on to say, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. When we don't do what we're supposed to do, when our mind is not set in doing the things that God wants us to do, we lose our confidence, and we should lose our confidence. But Isaiah said it's akin to being wicked. It's akin to doing in the wrong direction, the direction God doesn't want us to go in. The happiest people on earth are genuine children of God. Now, you know that because you practice the kind of life that you're supposed to be practicing. The happiest people on earth are genuine children of God. But the most miserable people on earth are those who try to serve both Satan and Christ. You can't have your foot in both worlds. You can't serve two masters, is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. And verse 24, you can't, you can't live a little bit of the Christian life and a little bit of the life of the world and expect to be a happy and confident person as you go through this life because you simply cannot serve two masters and be at peace in your own mind. And if you're not at peace in your own mind, you will never be the confident person that we're talking about this morning. This is dealt with in the Old Testament with many examples, but in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21, a very interesting passage of Scripture about the nation of Israel. And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. If Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. What if someone came to you this morning? knew what kind of life that you were living, and made very pointed statements about your personal life. And they said, if you're supposed to be a Christian, why aren't you following him? Why are you, why are you claiming to follow Christ and still living the kind of life that your neighbors know you live, or your family knows you live, or your friends know you live? How could you possibly be divided in this fashion? How would you answer them? Well, you would probably answer them exactly the way Israel answered Elijah. I got nothing to say. Because we know we don't have a defense. We know we're not supposed to be living that kind of life. We know that's not what God, what God wants from us, what the kind of people around us need, and it's certainly not the best example that we can have for the church in this world. We have to commit ourselves to living the kind of life that God wants us to live, and that will give us the confidence to deal with the problems that we have in this world. The spiritual mind leads to a life of, of peace, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. If we have that spiritual mind, it's going to help us build that confidence. So the first thing that we must commit to is to make sure that we as Christians are not dabbling in sin. 
we cannot live part in the world and part in the, the kingdom of Christ and expect ourselves to be confident as we go through this world. We have to, to examine ourselves and cut off the dabbling in sin. Confidence is something that you create within yourself by believing in who you are. Now, friends, you know you're worth it. You know you're worth it. You know that since you have become a Christian, since you understand what God has done, through, done to you or for you through Jesus Christ, His Son, the price that was paid and your acceptance of what Christ has done for you, you know that you are worth that home in heaven. You, aren't, you didn't purchase it for yourself. You aren't worthy to have it, but you have accepted what Jesus Christ has done for you. That home is yours. Have some confidence in you. Have some confidence in you and accept what God has done. So the first thing we need to do is to avoid walking in darkness. The second thing we need to avoid is claiming that sin does not affect us, according to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, because some people will say, I can be around sin all the time and it just doesn't bother me until you're caught up in it and didn't even realize that you were caught up in it. It's just not true. Every person struggles with temptations. We should expect it. Now, Jesus was tempted while he was here in the flesh. Something that we all know. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, But we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. This verse tells us that Jesus lived a sinless life, but he didn't live a life without temptation. And because he was able to hold up under the temptation, he gave us an example for us to live by, but still he was tempted. If Jesus was tempted while he was here on this earth, what makes us think that we can live a life without temptation? It's going to be there. It's just that simple but we have to be prepared to deal with it. Sin is going to affect you. It's going to be there. Just denying it will not help us. Our forefathers were tempted. According to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with swords, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, they had issues that they had to deal with. Forefathers in the New Testament, forefathers in the Old Testament, they all had temptations. And brethren, you're going to have temptations. We just have to be ready for it. And we have to have the confidence that we get from the knowledge of the Scriptures to be able to deal with the temptations that are going to come our way. No person can know what they will do between now and the time they die. We just don't have that knowledge. But... If you're a Christian, you can actually accurately say, I am saved, and I fully intend to continue to walk in the light. If I do, I will definitely be saved. I want you to think about that for a minute. If you're a Christian, most of you are, those of, the, those of you that are not this morning, we want you to be a Christian before you leave here through obedience. But if you're a Christian and you're trying to live the kind of life 
that you know God wants you to live, you're really setting forth the effort on a daily basis, you can say with confidence that if I continue on the path that I am on, I have a room in the mansion that has been prepared for me. What a wonderful way to go through life. No wonder you see so many Christians with a smile on their face. Yeah, we've all got problems. We've all got things that we have to deal with. But I've got a room in a mansion that God has reserved for me if I continue to walk in the path that he has given me. Nobody can take that from me. Nobody can rob that from me. Nobody can eliminate me from having that. I can, but nobody else can. And as long as I make a decision every day that I'm going to continue to do what God wants me to do, I'm going to avoid the pitfalls, and I'm going to continue to do what God wants me to do, I have a place in heaven reserved for me. What a beautiful thing. Oh, it's amazing. Remember the conditional ifs in 1 John chapter 1. Five of them right in a row. Verse 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. If you do these things. Okay, thirdly. We must avoid refusing to admit or confess our sins to God. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 10. We must make sure that we confess our sins. There is no better example of this defiant attitude that many people have than the nation of Israel itself. They would sin, refuse to repent, and then they would be overcome by pestilence or famine or an enemy nation or something that would bring them to their knees. And then after they were brought to their knees, they would repent, God would forgive them. They would start the cycle all over again, serving God, rebelling against God, and then have to be brought to their knees again. Though that information is in the Old Testament so that we won't make the same mistakes that they made. Let's learn from what happened to them. This uh, is no better way for us to stay right in God's sight than to do a consistent and continuous self-examination of our lives. You know, it's pretty easy for us to do an examination of somebody else's life, isn't it? It's what we like to do. We look at somebody else and we examine them. We criticize them. We see what they need to change and what they need to do. It's a little bit more difficult, but a lot more beneficial if we'll just look at ourselves and see what we need to change, how we need to make the adjustments, and how we need to move forward. If we know we have sinned, we need to repent, brethren. And that way you stay at peace with God and your own mind. We need to be the kind of people in the Church of Christ to in inhale confidence and exhale doubt. Get it out of you. Inhale the confidence because that's what the Bible wants us to know and get the doubt out of you if you're willing to make that daily commitment to God. Confidence in yourself is not equal to pride. Some people get this confused, but confidence and pride or being prideful are very different in their biblical understanding. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 15, And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before that ye might have a second benefit. Paul was very confident that the confidence that he would take to the members of the Church of Christ in the city of Corinth would cause them to be confident. He was going to bring confidence to them and give them confidence. It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. 
The idea of confidence in the noun form carries the idea of trust. Now, these are just a smattering of the verses that Paul uses, or inspiration uses, to promote confidence in people. We're not going to take the time to go through all these, but I want to make sure that I get the numbers before you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 22. Do you think Paul was trying to do something with confidence to the members of the Church of Christ at Corinth? They needed confidence. And Paul was going to make sure that they understood confidence was available. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 1 verse 25. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And many other places talk about confidence in the Christian's life. He, the inspiration, wants you to have confidence, expects you to have confidence. In fact, we can look at the verb form, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 6 and 8, Philippians chapter 1, 6 and 14. There are a number of verses that talk about us having confidence. We need to promote a confident attitude in our brethren. I want you to have a, all the confidence that you could possibly muster in your life based upon what the scriptures say. I want you to believe in yourself. And you'll notice the red lettering there. Be you. I want you to believe in yourself. Be as confident as you could possibly be in your understanding of the scriptures and your chosen direction in this life. We must avoid these things. Avoid walking in darkness. We must avoid the idea that sin doesn't affect us. And we must avoid the idea of confessing our, not, not confessing our sins before God. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to have salvation. And I want you to enjoy this life to the best of your ability as you go on to the life that God has prepared for you. If you know you're not right in the eyes of God, we're going to ask you to come forward and let us help you as together we stand and sing.